The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. What a great day this is, this Trinity Sunday. I know that uh, many of you probably came in off the porch and saw the models of our new church. You missed that meeting? (laughs) I can thank Brian Rossborough for that. (laughs) He said he's been telling people, you know, the meeting that we had, this, this is the outcome. I thought it was important for you to know, those of you who may not have uh, picked up on it, that those models are models of work that has been done by the architects that we are employing and not a representation of what may be uh, done on this site, (laughs) but some sense of what they do. Trinity Sunday used to be a Sunday that I dreaded preaching because it's such a boring topic, I think, (laughs) to talk about the doctrine of the Trinity. But this Trinity Sunday is truly a special one for me for a number of reasons. First of all, I think back five years ago when I was instituted as your rector on Trinity Sunday. And the preacher that Sunday was my friend now of more than 40 years, Martin Brokenleg. And Martin stood in this pulpit and he charged you and me with something that I work at, I think, every day that I'm here as a priest. He said that it was my responsibility to see in you whom God was intending you to be. And it is my hope that this morning I can give you a glimpse of who I believe God intends you to be. Because that is what all of us are living into. We are living into God's intention for us. And hopefully we hear the call of God in our lives enough that we can follow that call and become what God intends us to be. This Trinity Sunday is particularly important to us as a congregation because we are also going to gather after this service in a meeting to begin the process of developing a master plan. And everyone's input to that is very important. So we're, we're hoping that many will stay to be part of that process, the beginning, at least, of that process. But I am especially happy this Trinity Sunday that we are going to have the privilege of baptizing six children and binding them to Christ as a part of the body of Christ. And it's important for us, I think, especially today, to see these children being baptized because they are a reminder to us that our responsibility is to them, to nurture them, to bring them up in the faith and traditions that have been handed down to us from the apostles. And they are also a reminder to us that we are stewards of what God has given us and that the world we prepare 
We are preparing for them and for their ministries, their mission, and for their leadership. And so today I give thanks because there is so much to give thanks for on this Trinity Sunday. Returning back to what Martin had charged me to do and in a sense us to do, I want to consider a little bit the gospel that we have for today, but it's actually what surrounds that passage. Uh, you recall that that comes from the day of resurrection. That's from Easter Day. The two Marys had come early in the morning and had gone to the tomb, found the tomb open. And then angels appeared to them and said, he's not here. He is risen. And then they find Jesus and Jesus essentially tells them the same thing. And they run and tell the disciples what they were told by Jesus and the angels. But what's interesting to me is that there was a second report that came from the empty tomb. And that report was the report of the guards who had been there all through the night and then woke up to find the tomb empty, the stone rolled away. They ran to the temple authorities and came to the chief priests and said what had happened. And the chief priests paid them money so that they would go to the Roman authorities and say that the disciples of Jesus had stolen the body in the night. Now, I think it's important for us to see these two responses to the empty tomb, because in many ways it is the response of the church. Oftentimes we can either respond to the message of Jesus and God's call to us to go on into Galilee, as he said, and we'll find him there. Or we can respond out of self-interest and self-concern, concern about money, concern about things of this world. And not hear that call. As I served as canon to the ordinary in South Dakota, I had the opportunity to visit many churches that were struggling. And some churches that struggled found themselves so preoccupied with survival that they could not possibly proclaim the gospel. It was entirely beyond them. But there were others, even in the difficulties of their time, who saw the need to proclaim the good news, not to stop and just worry about what was happening inside their church, but to go out and to make a difference. I believe that you are such a church. You are a church who is willing to go out and make a difference, not just focus on yourselves, not just act out of self-interest, not just worry about money, but rather to act on the good news. And I think that makes all the difference in the world. So where does that lead us on this Trinity Sunday? What does it say to us about the gospel's call on our hearts? I believe that we are being called to the task of designing inviting spaces on this spot. Perhaps this church, perhaps what's next to it, the parish hall and buildings, the grounds, all of it we need to look at. And consider how we make it more inviting. When we first started this work, we talked about building welcoming spaces. But we soon found out we had to first talk about a design. We had to first struggle and grapple with the way we use our buildings, with our mission, and what it is that we are called to. And if you wonder what our mission is, you know, I've... Um, I've told you where to find some good reading when the sermon gets boring. You can always turn to the historical documents that come right after the confirmation section in the prayer book. But if you're really desperate, 
you can turn to the inside cover of your bulletin and there you will find about two thirds of the way down the mission statement for our church. And this is the mission statement that is going to guide our thinking about these facilities, about all that we have been given as we think about the mission that God is calling us to. What is it that God wants us to do? Not just what does God want us to do to change or to renovate buildings, but what is God calling us to do beyond these walls? And how can these facilities be made more a, a, a tool for us as we try to do that? We have much to struggle with. We have much to consider. But we have so many wonderful things to give thanks for as well. We also realized that uh, we weren't just talking about welcoming people that showed up at our doorstep. We wanted it to be more of an active verb, inviting. We want Trinity, and I think this is true of all of us, we want Trinity to be a magnet, a magnet of, for people to come and be part of our life, to join with us in God's mission, to be able to go out from here and make a difference in the world around us. That is what our hope is, that people will come and join us in God's mission. And that requires that we invite and welcome them in. We realize that uh, this needed to be done also with an appreciation for what we have received from those who have gone before us. We want to respect the work of a great architect, Pietro Belushi. This beautiful building really is a tremendous gift to us by that architect and by the committee that, that worked so diligently back in the late 50s and early 60s. They were thinking not just of themselves, they were thinking of us. And that's the challenge that we have as well. How might we make not just this space, but all that we have been given a better tool for ministry for people of the 21st century? This past week, I reread the history of Trinity from 1884 to, 1960, to 1962. And it was so beautifully preserved. If you've not had a chance to read it, I'll certainly loan it to you. Uh, it was preserved so well by uh, Marion Blackall Miller. It's uh, a wonderful uh, description of the life of Trinity over those many years. One of the things that stands out as you read it, and I think uh, Rick Wheeler has spoken about this in the past, is the importance of women in the development of our parish. In fact, we would not be here today if it weren't for the women who were willing to see that ministry went on here in Concord. The faithfulness of people such as Grace Carlton, in whose home the congregation first met, and Susan Jackson, who led so many church fairs. In fact, the first fair in Concord was led by Trinity Parish, and it was her who made that happen. It was the initiative of women that made it possible for us to be the congregation that we are today. And we must never forget what they have done before us. Trinity Church, now the chapel, was uh, the cornerstone for that was laid by Bishop Paddock on May 21st, which was Ascension Day in 1884. Now, the thing that I find just uh, amazingly uh, coincidental, and of course God has no coincidences, is that next year is our 125th anniversary 
if we base it on the laying of the cornerstone. And Ascension Day, on our 125th anniversary, will be the same date as it was in 1882. Now that's important to think about because Easter moves and Ascension Day moves with Easter. So it will be a long time again before we can celebrate on the exact same date the Ascension Day and the laying of that cornerstone. I believe we have much to be thankful for and we certainly are the beneficiaries of the work and the faithfulness of those who went before us. But I believe that we are called to do this now. And if we don't do it now, it will be at least 10 years before Trinity can reconsider this again. And I say that because it almost certainly will be with a new rector. And it will be after a time of an interim. And then there will be time for a rector to come and be in place and get to know the congregation and the congregation to get to know her. It will take time. <laughs> so we need to do this now. And we need to do it not for ourselves, but we need to do it for those who are going to come after us. For those we're baptizing today, for the many more that will be baptized at this font and others that will join this congregation in ministry and in mission. So the question is, will we be as faithful as those who have gone before us? And I believe the answer is yes. And I also believe we must never forget this is not our work. It is God's work that we do. And we must never fear because God has all the resources God needs to do God's work. And the other thing we must always remember, those last words from today's gospel, Jesus said, and remember, I am with you always. Amen. Amen.